0: evening, or whatever time of day it is when you are taking Sabbath time, which is time away from the commercial drive of this world to a time of reflection, time taken to consider the new story that is emerging from our old one. I am Reverend Dr. Candace Bist, and along with my husband, Bruce Lee, we serve the Shelburne Primrose Pastoral Charge in Southern Ontario, and everyone else who hears this podcast and desires as we do to see in the current disruption of this world that something beautiful is emerging. During the last few weeks while I was on study leave, the media has exploded with stories reporting the worldwide protests to the public lynching, it can have no other description of George Floyd and the long overdue focus on the deeply ingrained racism that lies at the heart of Western civilization and most certainly exists in our institutions and the church is no exception. People of all ages, though mostly young people, have taken to the streets in droves representing Black Lives Matter and many other groups that claim all lives matter, and so they do, though at the moment our focus is on that of racial divide, and this is as it should be. Bruce and I watched the news and saw the Spirit of Christ on the street, church in the open, Jesus marching quietly and steadily in the midst of all religions and all inclinations that lie outside formal religion and yet are embraced with a connecting spirituality that has always been the inherent gift of humankind. Humanity is rising and resisting the old story of separation and embracing the new story of the collective, The desire to include everyone because everyone is part of the divine family and there are no exceptions and certainly no hierarchical form of governance based on something so seemingly random as the colour of one's skin. But we are a long way off from realising this dream and there is much work to be done to break down old thinking, old prejudice, old fears binary ways of being that like to divide and conquer. Christianity itself is deeply compromised by racism, whitewashing a Mediterranean Jewish man into an Italian-Swedish composite that removed his naturally dark skin to present something that somehow was deemed more appealing. We have prostituted our faith in such deep, in irretrievable ways. It is no wonder that Christendom has collapsed upon itself and we are weakened. God will not stand idly by and watch us bloated with arrogance while representing a man who above all things was loving and gathered all in his wide open embrace. But it is also part of our Christian story that to be humbled is the beginning of renewal. So let us be humbled and let us be quieted and let us be still and let us leave behind all that Christendom claimed as truth and retreat to that singular figure who represented all that we have come to disregard. Let us return to the bosom of our faith which is neither doctrine nor tradition, nor history, nor memory, but to the one with whom it all began. The great contemplative theologian and poet of the last century, American Trappist monk Thomas Merton wrote, When we find the truth that shapes our lives, we have found more than an idea. We have found a person We have come up on the actions of one who is still hidden, but whose work proclaims him holy and worthy to be adored, and in him we also find ourselves. Jesus did not call us to worship him. We dreamed that foolishness up all on our own. Jesus called us to follow the way of love, the way of inclusivity, the way of embrace, the way of communion. We do not follow Jesus because our Christianity is in any way superior to other theologies. Its history is steeped in violence and misuse. We follow Jesus because his simple way, his small way, is available to all people without exception in all circumstances. And it is this egalitarian pathway which we choose to walk along with all those others who desire for this world to be good and generous and worthy.
1: Jesus, just to take Him at His word, just to rest upon His promise, just to know, thus saith the Lord. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust Him, how I proved Him more and more. Jesus, Jesus. For grace
2: to to trust trust Him more
1: I'm so glad I learned to trust Him Precious Jesus, Savior, friend And I know that He is with me to the Sin and self to cease, just from Jesus, simply taking life and rest and joy and peace. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust Him, how I proved Him more and more. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, oh, for grace. To trust him more, Jesus, Jesus, how I trust him.
0: Our gathering call this morning is from Nadine Ann Hura, a Mayora poet from New Zealand. Nadine writes about the Maori way of seeing the earth as sacred mother, a common theme in all Aboriginal spirituality and a deeply valuable one, particularly now in the time of the COVID-19 pandemic. This poem came to me through Amy and Graham at Fiddlefoot Farm via their newsletter that directed me to Findhorn News Story Hub. Fiddlefoot Farm has been feeding so many of us through the pandemic from their biodynamic farm produce and their many connections with others who value the importance of good farming practices and see all earth as sacred space. I am indebted to them for their generosity of spirit and for being two local leaders in the forming of a new story for humanity. We offer a blessing on their continued work and the work of all other farmers in our community who care for the earth responsibly and with love. For Papa Tu Anuk, Mother Earth, by Nadine Anne Hura. Rest now, Mother Earth. Breathe easy and settle, right here where you are. We'll not move upon you. For a while we'll stop, we'll cease, we'll slow down and stay home. Draw each other close and be kind kinder than we've ever been. I wish we could say we were doing it for you as much as ourselves, but, well, we're here doing it anyway. It's right, it's time, time to return, time to remember, time to listen and forgive, time to withhold judgment, Time to cry, time to think about others. Remove our shoes, press hands to soil, sift grains between fingers, gentle palms. Time to plant, time to wait, time to notice to whom we belong. For now it's just you, and the wind and the forests and the oceans and the sky full of rain, finally it's raining. Tears from the eyes of our sky, Father, drip down upon you, embrace it. This sacrifice of solitude we have carved out for you, a small offering People always said it wasn't possible to ground flights and stay home and stop our habits of consumption. But it was. It always was. We were just afraid of how much it was going to hurt. And it is hurting. And it will hurt. And continue to hurt. But not as much as you have been hurt. So be still now. Wrap your hills around our absence. Loosen the concrete belt cinched tight at your waist. Rest, breathe, recover, heal. And we will do the same. Let's pray together. Gracious one, gracious many, earth and moon and sky and wind and all those great spirits who gather in the name of love and life, God. The world is broken and there appears no way of fixing it, certainly not from our dim viewing down here on the ground. But there is rising up a desire for a new story, a new way of being, a new way of seeing where all people are precious, a way of seeing that calls into question every aspect of life on earth, our social constructs, our economic policies, our environmental rights and the rights of all nature, animals, Plants, the air, the water, everything that you, our creator, gifted to us for sharing. The world is broken, yes, and so are we. And yet, there is beauty still, and loveliness still, and hope still, because we are all still here. And as long as we are here, and as long as we are willing to do things differently, you will be there to offer encouragement and mercy. We ask for that now, though we are undeserving, still. That is what makes you divine, that mercy can be granted even as we continue to stumble. Amen. Our scripture reading is Psalm 137, seldom included in our gatherings as it is filled with rage and petulance and revenge. But I think, given the rage and anger that is on the streets these days, it is a good choice and a reminder that the scriptures are about real life and all the emotions that are alive in us, the good, the bad and the ugly, are also alive in sacred writings of all kinds, and most certainly in our biblical text. The scripture concerns the Israelites, defeated, captive, and bound for Babylon after the destruction of their temple in 587 BC. With the long history of singing praises to God on their harps, Those in the psalm have stacked their harps by the side of the river and the trees and left them there with no desire to sing or to make music or to praise God because, well, as they see it, God has deserted them. So what is the point? What is there to sing about? They are very angry. Their captors taunt them, requesting songs celebrating their faith. And though they cannot sing happy Zionist songs as they are requested, the captives in the psalm vow at the least not to forget God and not to forget Jerusalem. And yet, was it not the forgetting of God and Jerusalem that has gotten them into the mess to begin with? They were not treating one another well. They were not treating the stranger with respect. They were not honoring God in their business dealings, and now their country, their temple, the God of their invention seems to be gone. But it is what they ask God for that seems so shocking. They want revenge, and they want God to reward anyone who would take a Babylonian baby and smash it against the rocks, pretty strong stuff, their unresolved anger and bitterness. I am reading from the message by Eugene Peterson. Alongside Babylon's rivers, we sat on the banks, we cried and cried, remembering the good old days in Zion Alongside the quaking aspens, we stacked our unplayed harps. That's where our captors demanded songs, sarcastic and mocking. Sing us a happy Zion song. Oh, how could we ever sing God's song in this wasteland? If I ever forget you, Jerusalem, let my fingers wither and fall off like leaves. That my tongue swell and turn black if I fail to remember you. If I fail, O oh dear Jerusalem, to honour you as my greatest. God, remember those Edomites and remember the ruin of Jerusalem. That day they yelled out, wreck it, smash it to bits, and you Babylonians, ravagers. A reward to whoever gets back at you, for all you've done to us. Yes, a reward to the one who grabs your babies and smashes their heads on the rocks. Just for context, the Babylonians were very harsh in their warfare practices and would have killed all people, men, women, and children as they wished. And they had a habit of killing babies because they did not want the enemy's young growing up and exacting revenge. So that is where the image comes from. And now in their rage, the Israelites claim that their God will reward anyone who perpetrates these same atrocities on the babies of Babylon. And also, just for context, remember that the Israelites lived in an eye for an eye, limb for a limb, dead baby for a dead baby, moral code. In the streets these last few weeks, we have seen some pretty angry people, and that is to be acknowledged as very real and very understandable. How many generations of black people have been held under the boot of white supremacist thinking? How many generations have cried out, I can't breathe. And we who know that breath and God and life are all one, and precious beyond all things, have not listened, have not responded, have turned away. There is reason for anger, and there is a place for it in this world, and the time and the place is now absolutely. But anger has never been the last word, only the beginning of a conversation. And though Jesus himself was angry, and certainly in his dying, there would have been rage and disappointment, a desire for revenge. Still, Jesus, until his last breath, did not travel this route, which is, at least in the telling of the tale, the reason to marvel at his teaching, for he lived it out. We follow in the way of love that Jesus has offered. We may be angry we may be perplexed, we may be fearful, but still through all of that, we must wait until we can see the way forward with love. In the book of Luke, in chapter 10, Jesus offers us the wonderful parable of the Samaritan traveling the road to Jericho who knows what it is like to live a life worthy of the name human And it begins by someone asking a question of Jesus. Just then, a religious scholar stood up with a question to test Jesus. Teacher, what do I need to do to get eternal life? And Jesus answered, What's written in God's law, and how do you interpret it? He said, That you love the Lord, your God, with all your passion and prayer and muscle and intelligence and that you love your neighbor as well as you do yourself. Good answer, said Jesus. Do it and you will live richly. Looking for a loophole, he asked, And just how would you define neighbor? Jesus answered by telling a story. There was once a man traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho and on the way he was attacked by robbers. They took his clothes, beat him up, and went off, leaving him half dead. Luckily, a priest was on his way down the same road, but when he saw him, he angled across to the other side. Then a Levite religious man showed up. He also avoided the injured man. A Samaritan traveling the road came upon him. And when he saw the man's condition, his heart went out to him. And he gave him first aid, disinfecting and bandaging his wounds. Then he lifted him onto his donkey and led him to an inn and made him comfortable. In the morning, he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take good care of him. If it costs any more, put it on my bill. I'll pay for it when I get back. What do you think? Which of the three became a neighbor to the man attacked by the robbers? The one who treated him kindly, the religious scholar responded, and Jesus said, go and do the same. That is what we are to do. Go and do the same. Notice that in the story we are not given any details about the man at the side of the road. Not his social status, the color of his skin, his religion, his sexual orientation, his social stance, his job description. He is only a man who is in need. This is the sole criteria around which he is measured. And our response is always to be compassionate, to put ourselves out for this person, to see their enormous value as a singular person worthy of respect and love, no matter the circumstances. This simple seeing of other people is the heart of our faith, We are not to stay in our anger wishing to kill others, either on our behalf or others. That is not the way forward. The way forward is to see how we may help one single person at a time. This is our calling. And when we respond to it, we become the people we were always meant to be, fully alive, standing tall, in the sure knowledge that we are living rightly and walking humbly under our God. And this is also our spiritual discipline this week, which Sabina Rohnertensi brought to our attention. It is the spiritual discipline of listening and obeying. The Good Samaritan was mindful enough to see the person by the side of the road, to see that they needed help, to listen, and hear the calling that instructed him to offer aid. He listened. He obeyed. That is the fullness of the law. That is the fullness of Jesus' teaching. That is your spiritual discipline for the weak, Be mindful enough to listen to the instructions from God and then obey. This is to love one another and to this we are called.
3: Just walking down the same road. He's traveled many times before. His head is down. Nothing makes sense anymore. Then he sees there on the roadside a broken down. Blooded man, he cries in need. Through words unspoken, come lend a hand. Calling out, calling for him, calling just with him in mind. No turning back, no turning from him. No being deaf, no being blind. There's no other, no one around him. He's the one must answer need. And if he does, his heavy heart will be freed. For him Calling his just With him in mind No turning back No turning from it No being deaf No being blind
0: Yesterday in Shelburne, there was a march through town which initiated the important work of a municipally appointed task force to study local issues of racism and discrimination and bring forth strategic plans to adopt into the community by the end of the summer. We wish those on the committee every blessing and our support for this long overdue initiative. This evening, Sunday, June 14th at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, there is a special online worship service presented by the Black Clergy Network of the United Church of Canada. This will be a time of worship, prayer, and reflection on issues of anti-black racism across our country and in our church. In worship, we will lament, we will hope, and we will be reminded of the need to act against racism. The service will be live-streamed on the United Church of Canada's YouTube channel. Further details will be on our website and email mail-out. We will resume our Practicing Compassion book studied this Friday evening at 7 p.m. on Zoom. The coordinates will be sent out to you next Thursday and also posted on our website. Everyone is welcome A reminder that there is a Trinity Council meeting on Tuesday, Primrose Council meeting on Wednesday. They will be on Zoom and Megan will send out coordinates. We will be discussing when our churches will be reopened. There is much to consider and we will attempt to work this all out and let you know how we intend to proceed. In the meantime, we encourage you to stay safely at home if you are able and to continue to take your and everyone else's health seriously. Be kind to one another. Be kind to yourself. And above all, be grateful for all that you have and all that you have yet to understand is in your grasp. We close with a thought prayer by Steve Garness Holmes and his wonderful internet reflections, Unfolding Light and a song by Andrew Peterson and Andrew Osenga, another version of the Great Commission to Love One Another and the Grounding Power of Love. Unfolding Light by Steve Garness Holmes Three officers stood silent while a fourth killed a helpless man slowly centurions at the crucifixion. To kill, all we have to do is stand silent. The killing is already going on. All we have to do is stand by, stay silent. Don't raise your voice, don't protest, don't question what happens. Don't object when the emperor desecrates the holy place don't defy the secret police don't cry out don't disrupt that's all you have to do to abet the killing stay silent the killing will go on just fine thank you for your cooperation unless you would like your own cross to bear unless you would stand with the man with the crown of thorns, unless you wish to take your faith seriously in these serious times, unless in you the Holy Spirit is already crying out, unless in this kingdom of death you would be resurrected, unless you have already died, and your life is hidden in Christ. Unless in you life is stronger than death, love is stronger than fear.
3: After the last tear falls, after the last secret's told After the last bullet Tears through flesh and bone After the last child stars And the last girl walks the boulevard After the last year that's just too hard There is love Ooh, there is love Song. After the last dirty politician After the last meal down at the mission After the last lonely night in prison There is love Love Of love and love again. We we'll see how the tears that have fallen were caught in the palms of the giver of love and the lover of After the last siren wails, after the last young husband sails off to join the war, after the last this marriage is over, after the last young girl's innocence is stolen, after the last years of silence that won't let a heart open, there is love. love, love, love. There is love. of love and
2: love again We'll see how the tears that have fallen were caught in the palms of the giver of love and the lover of all And we'll look back
3: on these tears as old chains Cause after the last